Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Go to Mark chapter 11, go down to verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on your screens. If you're watching online, we'll put it up on your screen as well. If you're in Mark 11 verse 12, can you say amen? Amen. The word of the Lord says this. On the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying, is it not written My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were saying, were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him. Because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. We're going to read just a couple more verses to see how it finishes. This is Tuesday now. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that was cursed, that you cursed, has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Come on, one more time. Have faith in God in God. Out of Mark chapter 11, we're going to continue our new series today, part two, as we're looking at this Monday on the last week of Jesus' life, the Passion Week. What we said about this series is that may the Passion Week of Jesus create a passion life in us. I'm going to say that one more time. May the Passion Week of Jesus create a passion life in us. In other words, you can't look at this Jesus and see the passion that he poured out and have a passive life about him. He poured out his love for humanity, amen? And so it should create a passion in us for Jesus. Week two, as we look at this series, today if you're taking notes, I love what they say on Friday nights. If you don't write it down, you don't remember it. So we like to take notes. If you're taking notes, whether you're here watching online, it'll help you to follow along with our study to write down some of the notes that we talk about. Uh, Week number two, today I want to talk to you from this topic or this title, fig leaves and crowded tables. Fig leaves and crowded tables. Let's pray and then we'll look at Mark chapter 11 for a few minutes and then we'll worship Jesus one more time. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. Lord, we pray this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, God, for all that you've done all day. Thank you for every service. Thank you, thank you for every connection, people watching everywhere. Thank you for this household of faith called Calvary. God, we pray that you continue to speak to us, open up our eyes, show, show us who you really are, Jesus. Thank you for the Passion Week, all that you taught and said and did. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins and thank you for the resurrection of the Son, Jesus. God, have your way in our life. We love you. 
we thank you. And all of the 1 p.m. says? Amen. Come on, all of the 1 p.m. says? Amen. 1 p.m., can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. All over the world today, there exist arenas, stadiums, these infrastructures that were once used for Olympic games, but today they are abandoned, they are desolate, a lot of them have been destroyed, and these are stadiums that literally cost millions and millions of dollars. There's one in particular in the Amazon jungles of Brazil that they built for the World Cup in the year 2014. This specific arena cost anywhere between 300 to 500 million dollars, and it was only used for four games. Today, it's abandoned. Today, in fact, vandals have gone in there and they've graffitied it. They've actually stolen television sets from different rooms that it had. They have ripped out seats and they've completely destroyed the arena. And this literally is happening all over the world. Some of the conversation is what do we do with these stadiums and arenas that we've built that no longer are used? I think this article is interesting because here we have these structures that look amazing, huge, massive on the outside, yet on the inside, they are empty, abandoned. What once hosted games and life today is lifeless and empty. I found it interesting because I think this, these images of these stadiums abandoned and left alone give us a picture of what our life can look like when we have everything right on the outside, but yet we are empty on the inside. When our life looks great, I mean, a lot of us look good on the outside, but on the inside, there is no life. On the inside, there is no God spirit. On the inside, there's no fruit in our life. In fact, I think this is happening all over the world, especially in American Christianity. What we have is that we have religion without relationship. We have religion without relationship. And I think many of us, this is what we have. We have a whole lot of religion, but no relationship with God. Oh, we are good at going to church. We are good at practicing certain things. I'm not against the word religion. I think there's certain things, but we have dead religion instead of true religion. We just have a bunch of dead rituals. We check off lists. I went to church, I sang some songs, but there is no life with God. There is no thriving on the inside. And I believe that God, this is what he wants, what he desires, is not just for you to come in, sing some songs, and check out, but for you to know him, walk with him, and have life with him. And I think what, we ch what we've chosen to do in our modern day is that we've chosen performance over transformation. Right? We are good at performance Christianity. We give God a performance. We give God, oh God, here I am. I'm, look at me. I'm doing really good on the outside, but there's no real transformation on the inside. I've been there. Maybe you've been there. Right? We check off lists. I'm performing really good as a Christian. I go to church, God, I got honor roll mention. I haven't missed in 13 weeks, <laughs> right? My team member is proud of me. What good is it to be part of a team or go to church if there is no church on the inside? Come on, there's no spirit of God on the inside. 
I'd rather people have a thriving relationship with God than to be on team and have no relationship with God. And so today, maybe some of us, we become really good at doing Christianity, but really poor at being a Christian. Oh, come on, 1 p.m., you're not talking to me this afternoon. A lot of us are really good at doing, but really poor at being. We're really good at doing religion, really poor at doing relationship. Right? We do this across every area of our life. We're good at doing, poor at being. Oh, you give me a to-do list. We're really good at to-do lists. Give me three things to do. I'll do them. And so we approach Christianity this way. I'll do these things. Number one, I'll join Dream Team. I'll go to church every Sunday, and I'll give my tithe. I'm good. I'm a Christian. We're good at doing. We're bad at being. Right? We do this with diets. Give me a diet. Give me paleo. Give me keto. And we'll do it for three, four days. We're good at doing. We're bad at being healthier with our lifestyle. Can I get an amen? Amen. Next week, I'm going to try the Paleo Plus Keto. I'm going to do a mix of both. We're good at giving our kids a bunch of toys and products. We're bad at being good parents. It's a difference between the two. And so we do this with Christianity. We're really good at doing religious activity, but really poor at having a thriving relationship with God. And today, I just feel like here or online, people watching, come on, some of us, we've done it. We've done it all. We've been in church. We know all the activities. We know, all, we know when to stand up. We know raise, when to raise our hands. When to sit. We do all the squats in church. We got it down packed. I know. But God wants a thriving relationship on the inside. Oh, come on. Some of us today, we've been in church a long time. You got everything down, but you're missing the spirit of God that wants to give you life and life to the fullest. He wants to give you peace on the inside. He wants to give you hope on the inside. He he wants to give you life and life to the fullest. Come on, that's the God that we have. In fact, I'll put it this way. God desires a life of substance, not a life of show. Come on, if all we're going to give God is show, then let's pack this up and go home. This is not about a show, amen? Come on, if we're going to put on a show, I know somebody that can put on a better show than us. Call Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. They could put on a good show called Cirque du Soleil, and they'll put on a better show. This is not a show. This is not entertainment. This is life worship. Oh, come on, to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. Come on, God, do something on the inside. Can I get an amen? Come on, 1 p.m. Do something, God, on the inside that we just won't perform, but we'll have spiritual transformation on the inside. God, do something in my heart. God, do something with my attitude. God, produce fruit on the inside. I just don't want to have performance. I want to have transformation of my, I want to love my neighbors. I want to love my city. I want to change the world for the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I think a lot of us, what we do is that we do the dance, we do the hand raising, we speak in tongues, we prophesy, we spin in a circle, but we don't care about our city. And we won't love neighbors, and we won't pray for our enemies. And we won't forgive those who offended us. It's quiet at 1 p.m. Oh, I'm telling you, it is really quiet at 1 p.m. But real Christianity is loving those that can't be loved. It's praying for those that hate us. It's inviting to dinner those that can't. Im- oh, come on. I'm looking for some real Christians that got real fruit in our lives. And so if there's real faith in our life, you'll see real fruit. I put it this way. A faith-filled life is a fruit-filled life. So today, come on, church. Let's not just get the performance down pack. God, do something on the inside. God, I just don't want a bunch of religious activity. I want spiritual transformation on the inside. God, transform me. 
This is what Jesus is trying to show you and me in Mark chapter 11. What a passage. I love that we're stat- studying the last days of Jesus because what he does on this Monday is absolutely incredible. And it's a life-changing lesson if we really look at it and apply it in our lives. Mark is the author, and Mark as an author, he's a genius, and what he does is absolutely incredible. He does this thing, this literary term that's called a Markin sandwich, right? The way he writes, he sandwiches two stories together. So he gives us one story, he interrupts it with another to end the story once again. Think about it as a sandwich or a hamburger. You got two pieces of bread and the patty in the middle. This is what he's doing. He does it several times in his gospel and he's doing it here in chapter 11. That means Jesus is trying to tell us something and both stories go together. Is that making sense? So we're gonna see that in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 is about that Monday as Jesus woke up and went back into the city. We studied what happened Sunday. Sunday, Jesus declared himself as king. He grabbed the donkey, told him to bring it. He sat on the Shrek donkey. He rode into Jerusalem, and everybody knows, Hosanna, Hosanna, he's king. But he's not a temporary king. He's coming as an eternal king. So Jesus is on mission. He's like, I'm the king you've been waiting for, and you don't even know it. I'm the peace you've been looking for, and you don't even know it. I'm, I'm, I'm everything humanity searches for and you don't even know and it's right in front of your face and so this Monday he's going to continue on his mission Sunday night Jesus went back up to Bethany it's about two miles away and Jesus and his friends his disciples they were staying at these friends house that had become like family Mary Martha and Lazarus those are his friends they're all staying there together Lazarus a week before was resurrected from the dead So you can imagine those conversations, Sunday night, they're all hanging out, eating pita chips and hummus and paparazzis outside, TMZ, CBS, ABC. They want to interview Lazarus. Monday morning, Jesus, he wakes up and he's like, okay, let's go back to Jerusalem. So they come down from Bethany Monday. They're on their way to Jerusalem. It's a two-mile hike. On the way in, Jesus begins to get hungry. You ever been on a road trip and you're hungry? You ever been on a road trip and you're hungry and there's nothing to eat? How many know you get hangry? And so Jesus is like, I'm starving. Let's get something to eat. And he sees a fig tree, right? A fig tree. You can eat some real good figs off a producing fruit fig tree. So Jesus is like, boys, let's pull over. Breakfast is here. And so they go to look for breakfast. He looks through a fig tree that appeared to be in season. It wasn't a season, but this one had appearance of it being in season. And he looks through the leaves and there's no fruit. Jesus like, moving, I can just, moving all the leaves around and there's not one fig on the fig tree. And what does Jesus do? He curses the fig tree. Talk about hangry. <laughs> like somebody give Jesus a Snickers quick. <laughs> May you never produce fruit again. Wow. Like this isn't peaceful, sweet, baby, eight pound Jesus they always tell us and we have an image of. This is a Jesus who comes looking for real fruit. This is called what we call in theology an object lesson. Prophets in the Old Testament, they would use human materialistic things to show something that God is trying to teach humanity. So what Jesus is doing here, he's not just a teacher, he's a prophet. He's doing an object lesson. There is no fruit in the fig tree. The fig tree, if you study the Old Testament, was a picture of the nation of Israel. 
Literally what Jesus is doing in front of all the disciples is saying, this is the nation of Israel. It appears like it looks good on the outside, but it's empty on the inside. There's no fruit. And I think not only is it a symbolic representation of Israel, we take it out all these years and we can apply it to ourselves. It can be a picture of our lives. Jesus says, this is Israel without me and this is your life without me. You look good on the outside. You got a bunch of religious activity, but there's no fruit on the inside. In other words, what this, what this tells me is that Jesus looks through my life and he's looking for me to produce fruit. Somebody say produce. Number one, produce. Jesus is coming to inspect my life and your life. The same way he came to Israel and said, where's the fruit of worship? Oh, you've been waiting for me? You've been worshiping? You, you've been praising the real God and you've been waiting for the Messiah? I am here and yet there's no fruit of real worship in your life. He says, you got it all good on the outside, but everything wrong on the inside. And, and basically he's, he's bringing down judgment on Israel. He said, you've got it all. On the outside, it looks really good, but on the inside, you're missing life and missing fruit. And Jesus, yes, he's sweet. Yes, he's loving. Yes, he's kind. But I think nowadays, especially in my generation, the generation coming up, we, we, we always confuse Jesus and always think he's sweet and kind and that he will never say something to make us grow up. Oh, sweet Jesus will not talk to me like that. Well, here's how Jesus talks to people. Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 26. Jesus talking to religious leaders. 1 p.m., are you following me so far? Jesus talking to religious leaders, Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat, and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Oh, I thought Jesus was really sweet. <laughs> this Jesus would get canceled today on social media and television. Jesus approaches religious leaders, the Pharisees, and he says, hypocrites, you look good on the outside, but there's no life on the inside. Oh, you got this life, you got the robes that look really clean. The Pharisees, they try to compete to see who had the nicest robes, who had the best seats in synagogue. And he's like, there's no justice. There's no mercy, there's no love. Oh, you tithe, oh, you give offerings, but inside you're far from me. I'm looking and all I see is fig leaves, but no figs. All I'm seeing is all these leaves, but no real fruit in your life. Whoa, that's that, is, that comes and that literally makes me want to think, how is my life? God, I just don't want you to find leaves. I want you to find fruit in my life. I want to be a fruit producing Christian. What good is it to have leaves? Let this bring conviction on my soul, God. Yeah, Christianity is awesome. It's the best life. But Jesus is not always sweet. He, he wants me to produce fruit. Look what he says. You think Jesus is always sweet? Here's one more that God says. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 23. This is God speaking. I hate, <laughs> I despise your feast. 
I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Woo, sweet Jesus. Basically, I don't like when you do church. I hate it. Oh, but I thought he loved me. He's in love with me. He has a picture of me in his cubicle. He says, you offer me burnt offerings and grain offerings. I will not accept. Keep your money, basically. Keep your offerings. I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. Woo. The melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. What is he saying? It doesn't matter how much we sing. It doesn't matter how much we give offering, how much we go to church. That does not matter if there is no justice and righteousness on the inside. God wants fruit from the inside of our life. Come on, church. We, I mean, this is day number two, week two of our series. Jesus is calling us out as king. And he's saying, how, how are you on the inside? I'm about to go to the cross. How are you on the inside? Do you just look good on the outside, but there's no production of fruit on the end? Alex, how do I produce fruit? Very simple. Just love Jesus. Every day you fall in love with Jesus, fruit will come out naturally. What, what I'm teaching here today is not for us to try harder, it's for us to abide better. I'm going to say that one more time. It's not for us to try harder, but abide better. I grew up in Christianity sometimes where they taught us like, well, you just got to try really hard to please God and put on this performance so that God will be happy. He's happy as long as I'm in Jesus. As I think about Jesus, love Jesus. John chapter 15, abide in me and I in you. That means worship him, live in him, think about him. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears, oh, come on, 1 p.m. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do. Jesus says, you want fruit in your life? Just live in me. Live in me. Worship me, Jesus is saying. I thought it was church attendance, going to conferences, and tithing that would produce fruit. And he's like, no, you can do all that, and I'm not pleased. The way I produce fruit in you is when you start worshiping me, looking like me, praising me, thanking me. I'll produce something in you that nothing else will do. And so he, Jesus basically is saying, don't just worship me in the synagogue, in the temple, or at church. Worship me your Monday through Saturday too. Oh, 1 p.m. Come on, somebody came quiet to church today. He said, I want you to wake up on a Tuesday and worship me. I want you to go laying down on a Wednesday and thanking me for your life. I want you to get up on a Thursday and a Friday and on your first stop. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for adoption. Thank you for redemption. Thank you that you say, that's how you abide in him. Abide in him is not church attendance. Church attendance is part of our Christianity. We gather together one day, but every day you should wake up thinking about him. At our church, we call it the first 15, and that's just a small practice to start. Every day, start with 15 minutes with God. Before you go check social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever you want to call it, 15 minutes with Jesus. I'm falling in love with him. God, I just don't want fig leaves. I want fruit. I want fruit. Jesus comes looking into my life and he's like, Alex, you just got a bunch of fig leaves. You're performing really good, but I don't want performance. I want fruit. So Jesus, he looked and he curses the tree. Curses the tree. And then he, he continues on his way. 
he's hangry already. So he continues on the temple. And when he gets to the temple, it's a mess. We just read it, Mark chapter 11. Now the temple, you got to remember, this is a massive temple, huge. It was literally like a masterpiece of the day. People from all over the world would come see the temple. The temple represented God's presence where people came to worship God. And Jesus, he begins to walk around the temple, 35 acres. This thing is massive. And he's like, this looks great, but, but this is not the mission and purpose of the temple. What are they doing? They're taxing people, the temple tax. On top of that, they're adding their own personal. They were robbing people. People needed animals to be sacrificed, so they were selling those animals like at high ridiculous prices. They were robbing people. But more than anything, they were crowding the temple that was supposed to be a place where people came near to God with their business marketplace. And Jesus, what does he begin to do? Sweet baby, eight pound Jesus, what does he do? He begins to turn over tables. He begins to throw chairs. He, has a, he brings a whip out. Jesus, loving Jesus, brings a whip out. And he drives people out. Get out! Get out! About four days before his crucifixion, he's cleaning out the temple. Let this be a picture of Israel that needs to clean out their religious activity with no life. And let this also be a picture of our life. Today, some of us, not only do we need to begin to produce fruit, number two, you need to prune out distractions. God, prune out of me the things that are in the way of what you want to do in my life. We crowd our hearts and our spirit with all that God wants to do. And we crowd it with religious activity. And God's like, I want none of that if I don't have your heart. Are you following along so far? Now, you got to look deeper what's happening here. And I'm about to finish. Tyler's been on the keys for a moment, so we're about to wrap it up. But what is happening here? Jesus, he's walking on the courtyard. The courtyard used to be known as the courtyard of the nations. In the Old Testament, if you go look at the temple, the courtyard was known as the courtyard of the... In other words, the only people that can go inside the temple were what? Jews. The only person that can go inside the Holy of Holies was the priest. So only Jews and priests could be inside the temple. So outside, God had designed a place so that people from every nation could come. In the New Testament, it was known as the courtyard of the Gentiles. You and I, if we are not Jews, we are Gentile. So this is the place where people like you and I would come hang out. It's the closest we can get in those times to God's presence. And he's like, I'm making space for humanity to come and get to know me. And you're filling it with tables and chairs and taxing people with animals. And he says, my house, and he quotes Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 57. He said, my house shall be known as a house of prayer for all nations. Woo! Jesus, what he's doing here, he's now acting as a teacher, prophet, and a king. Because in the Old Testament, anytime a new king would come into Jerusalem, he'll begin to clear out everything. Jesus is the new king, and he's clearing out everything. And he's saying, this is a place for every color, every race, every background to come and get to know the Father. Stop filling it with your stuff. You're filling it with all your religious activity. In other words, Jesus wasn't cleansing the temple of Gentiles. He was cleansing the temples for Gentiles. And he's saying, this is not fulfilling its core original mission and purpose. 
This is not for you to do your marketplace and for all of you to come hang out and it's all the Jews having a good time. You've forgotten about the poor. You've forgotten about the widow. You've forgotten about the orphan. You've forgotten about the Gentiles that need to come know the Father. And he begins to literally take them all out. Today, you and I, there's some things in our life we need to root out. I mean, literally, what are some things in your life that you say, God, I'm crowding my heart with so many idols. I'm crowding my heart with so many distractions and there's no real fruit and I need to prune out distractions. Something happens when we begin to make way for God. I'm telling you, he'll do something in your life. Several years ago, Diana started watching this show with this lady who is a master at cleaning, spring cleaning and making way in your house, Marie Kondo or Kondo. And she makes you grab an article of clothing in your house and she's like, do you like it or love it? If you like it, throw it away. If you love it, keep it. And so then it's like, why don't we clean our house? Literally, Alex, your closet is crowded. Your side of the, I mean, I can't even move in there. Like, just clean it out. And, and to me, I'm like, I, I have trauma from spring cleaning. I grew up with a Hispanic mom. Spring cleaning was every Saturday. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and so you, you literally would, you would want to sleep in on Saturdays because every day of the week you're going to school and I remember I remember being asleep on a Saturday and every morning my mom would come knocking opening the door me and my brother used to share a room and she's like vamos a limpiar and she has Marcos wheat blasting all over the house right celebrar a Cristo celebrar celebrar those people grew up in church all of us need prayer that's saying that right now and I'm like, oh my God, spring cleaning every Saturday. Yes, amazing. So when Nana goes spring cleaning, I'm like, oh my, no, oh my God. I like all my clothes, don't worry about it. But then she said something that was beautiful. She goes, babe, if you throw away the old, you'll make space for the new. And when I thought about this, this is so beautiful. A lot of us, we got so many distractions in our heart that what we need to do is make space for the Holy Spirit and say, come speak to me, come move, come make me more like you. I got religious activity. Take that out of your heart. Take out attitudes, take out bad tempers, take out the old, make way for the new. Come on, church. Holy Spirit, do something in me. Come on, I need the new of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad I got church attendance. I'm glad I've been part of team for 13, since I was 13 years old. But I want the Holy Spirit to come and make me more like Jesus. Come on, church. We want a real church that is in love with Jesus. That you wake up every morning and you look like him, think like him. What do we got to root out? Galatians chapter 5, verses 19. Through 24, he says, oh, these are the works of the flesh, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Well, I mean, those aren't, those aren't Christians. I know a lot of people that look good on the outside, call themselves Christians, yet are full of this on the inside. Come on, I've been there. I've been there. Come on, we don't got to judge others. Some of us know we've been there. Good on the outside, full of filth on the inside. He says, I want you to be full of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit. This summer, we're going to do a study on the fruits of the Spirit. But he, he talks about them. If we continue going through the next part of the verse, he says, oh, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there's no... I mean, this is just what life with Jesus looks like when you have a life 
life-giving, thriving relationship with him. It's not performance, it's transformation. I had a friend of mine, he's a friend of me and David. A friend of ours worked at a Christian bookstore for, for years. There was a Christian bookstore here in our city and he literally worked there for years. And after some time, I remember he told us, he's like, Christians are the worst. <laughs> he's like, you have no idea the kind of people that walk into the store. Some of them leaders, some of them pastors in our city. He says, oh my God, the, the attitudes they give us, just bad attitudes, the way they talk, the way they try to get hookups. Christians are good at getting hookups, right? Like, give me this at a discount. There's no discount. No, it's on discount. You know what I'm saying? Like, Christians. And if you didn't, the way they would fight, the way some of them stole in a Christian bookstore. And it's like, man, a lot of us, we just look good on the outside, but there's no difference on the inside from the rest of the world. Come on, God. I just don't want crowded tables and fig leaves. I want fruit and real change. Come on, let's just be our prayer. We're about to leave in a few moments. God, come on, I want to look like Jesus. Have we missed Jesus? We've got the songs, we've got everything, but the inside, there's no fruit. Come on, let's just never be a church that's just fig leaves, but no fruit. We've got a structure, we've got an auditorium, but we're missing the point that Jesus is here. We crowd up our lives so much, there's no space for us to love on people and take care of the widow, the orphan. That's true religion, James says. And so, yeah, I, I'm religious, but real religion full of real life. Not just dead rituals, church attendance, checklists. There's a part of a life-giving relationship with the Creator. First Peter chapter 1, Patrick, uh, chapter 2 verse 1 so put away all malice deceit hypocrisy envy and all slander in other words if you have a life thriving relationship with Jesus there's some things you got to prune out amen he goes into the temple he literally literally clears it out Jesus is angry he clears it out he's like this is not the purpose for the temple the purpose for the temple is for that all may know the father basically he's not cleansing the temple he's condemning the temple because in a few years, the temple would not exist after Jesus. And he's basically putting in a new order. He goes back out. They go back to Bethany. They spend another night in Bethany. The next morning, they're coming into town. And Peter sees the fig tree and he says, Rabbi, Jesus, the, the tree that you cursed, it's withered. He can't believe that what Jesus said happened. And it's like, Peter, how long have you been walking with Jesus? And Jesus responds and he says, have faith in God. I know we're a little bit over time, but I just want to read the rest of this. We pause there, but look at the rest of what he says. Verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says, it will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and believe and it will be yours. And wherever you stand praying, Forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father in heaven may forgive you and your trespasses. Okay, remember, this is a Markin sandwich. He starts with the fig tree. It has leaves but no fruit. Then he goes to the temple, religious activity but no fruit. And he finishes by a story of faith. What is Jesus trying to tell us? He wants you and I to have real faith. Not religious activity, not fig leaves, not tables and chairs and all these business deals with God. He wants you to have real faith. And when you have real faith, oh, you'll be prepared to do all that God called you to do.
So we must produce fruit. We must prune out distractions. And then we must live prepared lives full of faith. And when we do, we will tell mountains to move and they will. What does this mean? Does this mean I can now go and stand in the middle of California and say, mountain, move. And it will move? No. No, obviously it's not a literal. What Jesus is saying is that you need to have faith in the real king. And when you have faith like that, you'll persevere even when it looks like there's a mountain in front of you. This is what Jesus is saying. This actually is the same teaching he said just a few weeks before when he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll tell that mountain to move and it will. Mustard seeds are one of the smallest seeds that you can find in Israel. And he's saying, it's not the quantity of your faith, it's the quality of your faith. And if you have good faith, not in temple activities, not in just fig leaves, when you have real faith in Jesus, Oh, it doesn't matter what's in front of you, you'll make it through. Mustard seeds are all over Israel and they spring up all over the place and you can't hold the mustard seed down. Once it begins sprouting, I mean, they literally pop up everywhere. It's kind of like in our terms, weeds that grow in our backyards and our front yards. Have you ever had weeds grow all over the place? And my backyard is full of weeds at times. And I have to go in there and I have to do all the dirty work. Weeds, not weed, weeds. <laughs> it's Miami, you gotta be careful, make it really clear. Weeds all over my backyard. And I've gone out there and I've literally, like I've been on my knees, like cleaning my backyard for hours. Two days later, you go back out and they're coming out again. Jesus says, if you have mustard size faith, meaning you have a good quality faith, yeah. A mountain, a rock, cement could be on top of you, but you're going to make it through because your faith is not in religious activity. Your faith is in the real king, the real savior, the real healer, the real deliverer. You have life on the inside. It's not just good on the outside. It's life giving on the inside. Come on, if you're thankful to Jesus, why don't we give him a praise? Let's stand up to our feet all over this place. Come on, church, we're about to leave, but come on. I, I, this message got in my heart. I just don't want fig leaves. I don't want crowded tables in my heart. God, I want a life-giving relationship with you. I want to know this Jesus. I want to have faith in this Jesus. The day of tomorrow, another thing could happen on planet Earth where we have to close down buildings. My faith is not in a building. My faith is not in a crowd of people that made me feel better. My faith is in the King. Come on. Why don't we lift up our hands all over this place? Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I'm so far from God. Maybe you've been coming to church. Maybe you grew up in church like me, but you feel far from God. You know there's sin in your life and you haven't had a life-giving, thriving relationship with Jesus. Or maybe this is your first time here, first time watching and you say, Alex, I don't know this God. I feel far from him. I don't know if God wants anything to do with me because we know that we're sinners. The Bible, by the way, says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And the Bible says that our sin, it separates us from God. All of us in here watching online, we've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And it's that sin that creates a barrier between us and God. Because God is love, but he's holy and he can't be with sin. So what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. Yet he died the death that you and I should have died. 
The Bible says that the price, the wages of sin are death. Meaning sin will kill us slowly, mentally, emotionally, physically. Sin has a heavy price. We can keep on sinning if we want, but at the end there's death. But Jesus says, let me pay the price for sin so that you can have the result of my life. Jesus carried my sin, your sin, up on a cross. On a Friday there, he gave up his life for humanity. And he died for sin. The Bible says he died on that cross. They put him in a grave. He was in a grave for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. It's what we're going to celebrate a few Sundays from now. Jesus came up from the dead. Sin and death could not defeat him because he's teacher, prophet, and king. And so Jesus, he's alive today. He's the king of kings, Lord of lords. Is he king of your life? Is he truly king and Lord of your life? If he's not today, you have an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, he'll give you life to the fullest. Not just looking good on the inside, but having life on the not just having life on the outside, but having life on the inside. With every eye closed, every head bowed. Come on. As the church is praying, pastors praying, dream team praying. If today you're here and you say, Alex, I need Jesus. You've tried it all. Come on, we live in Miami. You've tried it all. You've tried every vice, every alcohol, the weed. You've tried the clubs. You've tried relationships. You've had the houses, the cars, the salary. You've had positions, titles, status. And it still doesn't satisfy you. I'm telling you, it's only Jesus. If today you're saying, I need forgiveness, I want to repent of my sins, that means I want to turn to God. I'm going to count to three. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But if you're saying, I want a relationship with God, he's the only one that can bring you hope, peace, joy, mercy, and grace. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I just want to see who I'm praying for. After I see you, put your hand back down. If you're saying, I need Jesus today, would you pray for me? I want a relationship with God. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Amen, 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 amen. I see you, I see you, I see you. Amazing, amazing. You can put your hands back down. If you're watching online, you make this decision there as well. He sees you. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to say one last prayer. I want you to repeat this with me. If you raise your hand, say this out loud. I believe God is here and he's listening. In fact, the whole church, let's say this together. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven and I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Amazing. Come on, Calvary. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Hey, today, in every service, people have made a decision, 9, 11, and now at the 1. You just joined the best family. It's not just this family. It's the family of God all over the world. And we have a free gift for you. On the way out, you're going to see Team Fest to the left. To the right, there's this tent. It says Connect Tent. If you raise your hand, I want you to pass by there. We have this bag for you free. You don't have to give your number. You don't do none of that. You don't have to give your social security number. None of that. None of that. 
We just love you. We're here for you. You have a family. There's a coffee mug. There's a notebook. There's a letter for me. And then more important, there's a free Bible for you. And if you made that decision, it is absolutely free. We love you. We want to say we're here for you. One more time. Can you give them a big, big hand? Come on. I don't know if we have the graphic. Can we put it up? The graphic of new believers. If we could put it up so you can kind of look at what the Connect tent looks like. When you go outside, it's going to be to your right. We have a free gift for you. And if you're watching online, you can send us a text. Hey, let's leave out of here worshiping Jesus one more time. Come on, this week, say, God, I just don't want fig leaves and crowded tables. But I want real fruit in my life. Amen? Come on, let's lift up our hands. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, all that you will do. Today, some of us were taking steps. You want to produce fruit in our life. You want us to prune distractions. Help us to live with prepared faith. God bless Dream Team as some of us join team today. God, that you may build your kingdom in our lives and in our city and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, with hands lifted. Take no distance. Come on.